Ladies and gentlemen, basketball fans across the world, welcome to Mavs Week on the Passball Podcast, the number one basketball history podcast on the Basketball Podcast Network. Why are we number one? Because we are the only one. Jeremy Brenner here, and this week, as I said, it is Mavs Week, MFFL stand-up. Did I say that right? You did. It's not Miffle or anything like that? (laughs) No, you did good. Um, Okay, so you got to say it's four syllables. Like, Yeah. Dallas, man, y'all. Come on. I know, I know. (laughs) I kid, I kid. But uh, we're keeping it in the family this week. I've got a brother and sister duo here with me on the podcast. They host their own podcast called The Gunshot. Pretty pretty aptly named, considering they are the gun siblings, Grant and Lauren. Grant and Lauren, welcome to the show. How are y'all today? We're good. good. Thanks Thank for, having, for us. having us. Yeah. Uh, see, <laughs> little in sync all... there, huh? <laughs> How, what's what's the age difference between the two of y'all? So just to kind of give some context to the viewers here, it's about two and a half years, close to three, but it's like two and a half. Okay. Yeah, that's me and my brother. We're like two and some change, but yep. I'm the older one, so. That, that's that's what matters at the end of the day. But <laughs> exactly. uh, we're talking 2011 Mavs championship. We are celebrating, I guess, I guess I'm not really celebrating, but y'all are celebrating a 10-year anniversary of this team this, this year. Is it crazy that it's been 10 years? Does it feel <laughs> like it's been 10 years? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, yes. man. Clinging on yeah. to every bit of that we can, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I tweeted the other day, we're lucky to have Luca, and uh, we transitioned from Dirk to Luca very nicely and have been very fortunate. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we haven't seen that that success in the playoffs in a while, and so it's uh, any chance to reminisce is always fun. For sure. Yeah, so, and, that, and that's what this podcast is all about, right? It's about reminiscing on the basketball, especially when you're a kid, because I feel like you watch the game differently as a kid than you do as an adult. And there's, uh, there's, you know, there's some more excitement and you look at these players like they're superheroes kind of thing. And, and Dirk was y'all's childhood superhero. Is that fair to say? Yeah, Without a definitely. Doubt. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So the, so this week we're dividing this story into two parts today. We are talking about the teams and kind of how we got to 2011. And then our second episode, which will come out tomorrow, will have the 2011 season and more of the, the meat, I guess. So we're going, I guess, we're going with the appetizer. We're going with the hors d'oeuvres. And then we'll get into the meat uh, tomorrow's episode. But let's set the scene here. So Dirk comes 1998. And plays, you know, he played his whole career in Dallas. But I think is honestly, it's it's super nice to see that because you don't see that very often. But you get to this second part of his career. He makes the finals in 06. And you're starting to see, okay, like, you know, they finally got past San Antonio. Because San Antonio had been the prime target, I guess, in the West. But then in 06, Dallas gets past them. And in 07, it looks like, the Mavs are once again the team to beat. And I'm sure as most the of the MFFLs listening know how this story ends. We won't spend too much time on this, but, you know, if we're looking back at this story and how 2011 happened, do, does 2011 happen without 2007? What does the team learn from 
2007 to get to move forward with the team, I guess. That's a, a good question and probably a good place to start. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have thought with how, how well we played that season, I want to say it was like 67 wins or something just unbelievable. 15, number one record in the league. So I, I would have liked to think within the next two years almost, you see, all right, we turn it around. Um, that was obviously a disappointing season, how it ended losing to the Warriors in the first round. Uh, but it didn't happen right away. And so it took – I think the biggest thing they learned was – all right, we can't fully rely on Dirk. And I mean, even you look at the 2011 run, we have relied on Dirk a hell of a lot. But our role players that year were some of the best they've been in in those mass teams. And so I think that was the biggest thing is we've got to find more complimentary pieces to Dirk. So we will talk about it, I'm sure, coming up. But but Tyson Chandler being one big upgrade over Eric Dampier. Um, I remember back, Jason Kidd was another huge upgrade i was heartbroken as a kid when we when we traded away devin harris uh, mm-hmm. but i remember my dad telling me it. like yeah i remember my dad telling me like if this ends up being a move that wins us a championship then is it really that that bad of a move and of course me as a kid like i was just a huge devin harris fan too like i was more heartbroken at the time i couldn't see it long term so obviously it ends up working out and mm-hmm. and it's a great move but but i think that's kind of the big takeaway maybe yeah and you can yeah. tell after or sorry lauren go ahead well, I was just going to say, the, back then, it was, I mean, like you said, does, does 2011 happen without these, these events taking place before? And, and I think no. I don't think that they do because going back and hearing some of, when, I mean, we'll talk about 2011 a little bit later, but hearing some of the things that were said later on and how much they referenced certain feelings like Darren, Dar- sorry, Darrell Armstrong, who's still an assistant coach, played in that uh, – series that first series against the heat when we lost and then he became an assistant coach and so you've kind of got that presence around when you make it back later on but that that big loss to Miami I mean that had a huge huge impact on this team and so or the organization as a whole so I think there to me in my opinion it's it's no question that 2011 uh doesn't happen in a, without that that first loss against Miami yeah so I guess the biggest difference that they took away immediately, I want to say it happened, you know, the very next year after they lose in the first round, infamously to the We Believe Warriors, they they find themselves struggling out of the gate, at least from, they're not where they were in 07, and they work towards the seven seed in 2008, which to be fair, the 2008 Western Conference is one of the tightest playoff races in recent memory. So to say that the Mavs were a seven seed, they won 51 games and it got them the seven seed because that's just that just goes to show how stacked that that Western Conference was. And they end up facing the New Orleans Hornets, who at the time I don't think had made since they moved to the Western Conference, they hadn't made the playoffs. And this was Chris Paul's, like, crowning moment. This was, like, his first chance at at potentially competing for a championship. And then they fall to the Hornets. And after that season, what what is the feeling in, in Dallas? Is this a let's run it back again and see what happens? Or is there, like, serious reason for concern here is this team ever going to get 
you know, back to the finals again. Yeah, I'll touch on I mean, it. I, a little it, I bit. think it was. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. You, you've probably no, you got... go ahead, Grant. Go ahead. All right. Um, well, it... I was <laughs> sorry. I think there's a bit of a lag. You go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's a little, there's a lag. No, you're good. Um, so I think the biggest thing I remember. So as a kid, I, I was 13, 14, maybe at this time or, or somewhere around there. And looking back, I think it makes sense that. Uh, so we have two disappointing seasons back in a row. And I mean, you talk about us being the seventh seed. So the Hornets were, were definitely a great team that year, but again, we're just kind of falling up short or, or having a rather disappointing time in the playoffs. And, and I think that was what led to Avery Johnson ended up getting fired after that. Mm-hmm. And so I look back, I remember I, again, a, a kid, I said to my dad, we just went to the finals a couple of years ago. We won 67 games the year before that Dirk won the MVP. Like, why are we firing our coach? And, and looking back, like, Again, we're just not we're not getting over that hurdle. We're not we're not making the jump. And so, like looking back, I think that makes sense that all of this at, up to this point culminates in, in something needing to change. And, and that first first change being um, bringing in Rick Carlisle. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think yeah, looking looking back, it's it was crazy at the time because again, I have no as a kid, I, I have no relevance for when it's time to move on for a coach. <laughs> So, but that that's something that sticks out in my mind too as one of the one of the huge turning points. Yeah. Yeah, going up against Charlotte, that was when not only did they have 22-year-old Chris Paul, but yeah. they have David West and Tyson Chandler. We didn't have an answer for those guys. Those mm-hmm. I mean, Eric Dampier, Grant, Ugh. I mean there are plenty of jokes that our family has made Ugh. throughout the year with Eric Dampier. But we just name, we name one. Name one Eric I, Dampier. I don't know if I can say it. I don't think I can. Say it. Say it. Oh, God. Well, I didn't know how to Nope, that one will not come from me. I will be here until the end we'll, of the next episode. We'll have we all... to say it. We'll let you know off air. We'll let you. How about that? How about that? Is that, is that, is that a, a good compromise? I guess that's a compromise okay. we have to come to. You'll see. Okay. But, yeah, but, the uh, listener, they, they might be coming for you. They might be <laughs> at you on Twitter at the gunshot, and they'll be like, what, what is the Eric Dampier joke y'all got? That's but, fine. That's totally <laughs> okay. fine. But, but yeah, so so we just didn't have an answer for, for guys like that with that interior presence. And so um, to kind of foreshadow, which eventually you get Tyson Chandler, you go make a move uh, and, and – uh, Seemingly, or Eric yeah, Dampier being, later, in, yeah. yeah, Eric Dampier, ironically being included in that trade for for Tyson Chandler. So it's though to me that was the big kind of missing thing was because we always we had Dirk and we knew what we were getting with Dirk, but it wasn't like oh we can go get this dominant interior defensive presence like with ease to to pair with him. It wasn't always we just didn't have that. We thought I don't know if if they thought for sure like oh Dirk is enough. Dirk is enough in the front court and, and that that time period kind of to me showed that it wasn't enough. So that was kind of my takeaway from right then. And, and obviously things took a turn in the future. Yeah. So the way that I'm seeing this right now is the team that was around Dirk in 06 and 07 is a great team. It's a great team. They were two wins away from winning a championship. They were on pace to win in 07. And then, but it wasn't, a team that could get past this hurdle for whatever reason, whether it was just, you know, bad luck or just wrong matchup, wrong time. Cause I remember, you know, a few weeks ago I had uh Tony, um, I had Tony Fiorentino talk about the 06 heat team and how that team just felt like a team of destiny. And so sometimes you just run into teams of destiny and you just gotta be like, okay. And 
in some ways, this 2011 team felt like a team of destiny. They they were so stacked up against the odds, especially after that offseason when, when Miami goes out and just completely destroys and changes the NBA forever, and they go make the big three. And it's kind of like, okay, it's Miami season. No one's really going to challenge them. But I guess we'll we'll touch on that a little bit more in our next episode. We'll keep on teasing for the next episode. But um, the way that I see, but they're they're making changes here, right? So right. Avery Johnson, good coach. He had a seven thirty five winning percentage in four seasons, which is incredible. But it's it just it didn't work. So you had you let him go, and you make that change at point guard. Devin Harris, good player, but you bring in Jason Kidd, who might have been a better fit next to. A guy like Dirk, someone that can, you know, take the veteran leadership kind of off of Dirk's hands a little bit. And then you look at the center position, Eric Dampier, you know, yeah, <laughs> I guess, I guess. Insert uh, silent joke. <laughs> in, insert, yeah, that silence was inserted there, you know, but they get, they get an upgrade. So you're looking at like small upgrades and it takes time for these upgrades to kind of mesh together and into kind of formulate into what turned into you know their eventual champion team is that is that fair to say yeah i think it's i think it's fair to say going back to the coaching change i remember so obviously i was a little kid when when avery johnson is making his exit and and we're kind of looking for a new coach and then rick carlisle is 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 brought in and i'm like i don't know who rick carlisle is like I wasn't alive for the 86 Celtics. I don't know what's happening. And so, and I definitely wasn't with it when he won coach of the year with the Pistons uh, in 2001. And so I was, I had no idea who this guy was. I just knew that we had solid, we had, we were a good team with Avery Johnson. So I was sad and I was upset. And, and then Rick Carlisle comes in and it just, there was kind of a different feel to it. I'll let Grant kind of continue with it or, or expand on it a little bit more, but it was, there are certain times and I definitely from watching the Mavs when I have throughout my life, I, I feel like it's given me a feel for when I'm watching teams and I'm like, they're a good team, but they're not quite over that hump. And I don't have confidence that, that they do have enough to go win a championship. And I feel like I've kind of carried that with me as I've watched teams throughout mm-hmm. the years. I mean, not to kind of, not, I don't want to like bash a team, but I remember watching the Clippers with Blake Griffin when they were the Lob City Clippers. And I was like, they're a good team, but I don't think they're good enough. And you right. know that they're yeah. going to be there year after year. But they're not, I don't think they're good enough to win a title. And so that was kind of, I, I don't know, I, I felt like that was my biggest takeaway of kind of you do watch teams and get a feel for when they've got it and, and when they're not quite there. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and again, we're, we're kids, and so I think that shapes so much of how we view this. Uh, but, but Carlisle came in and things just got more efficient. I mean, the NBA still wasn't this high-scoring game that it is now. Um, games every now and then we're still in the low 80s um, but but things just got a little easier for Dirk and Dirk started getting a little older so maybe um, that was part of it he wasn't dropping his 25 28 a night uh, yeah. but he was still carrying the team on, on all accounts uh, but the fact that we were still winning 50 games I think and again it goes back to how spoiled we were to have a guy like Dirk but um Carlisle came in, picked picked things right up, and and didn't miss a beat either. And so I think we we were spoiled to have that as well because things could have gone a very different direction. Because mm-hmm. is there concern at this time that you know because Dirk is entering past ten years in the league now, so he's I want to say when did he end? So he entered the league in 
98. How old was he? Was he like? He, he was 20. He was a kid. 20. Okay, so yep. he's in his 30s now. He's in his early 30s, which is not a death sentence for a player, <laughs> but it you you start to see some some players when they approach 30, when they're a number one option in their 20s, they aren't necessarily that guy in their 30s. So is there concern that, you know, you look at Dirk and you look at the team and you're like, does this team still have that number one guy that can go win as a championship? Yeah, especially as a big man. I mean, you worry mm-hmm. the yeah. older they get. I mean, you don't know if it's going to be knees or or anything. And, and he had played largely uninjured his whole career up to this point and, and for the most part did throughout his entire career. But, but yeah, you, you worry, can he get there again? Um, we Dirk obviously is a Hall of Famer and and was a great player, but I, he had his MVP season, and I don't know that he sniffed it too much after that. He probably was up there. I, I haven't looked at how the results were the, the year after that when they won 67 games, but or, or that sorry, that was his MVP season. I, I'd like to think he got close again, but yeah, you you just don't know. I mean, there there are talks of him being soft and not not a closer, not clutch, and. I, I don't doubt that if we don't win in 2011, that probably is something that sticks with him and his legacy forever. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. And, and that was that was kind of, and not just then, but for even going into 2011, all around that time period was the Mavs are soft. The Mavs are not good enough. Or or going into the playoffs, teams would be like, I've I've actually in preparation for this. I was watching a couple of clips from from uh, before 2011 and around uh, 06 and, and even 08. And they were talking about how teams were saying, going into playoffs, oh, we want Dallas. They're soft. We want the Mavs. And it's these are things that obviously Cuban hears. They all hear around the team. You're hearing in the media. And so, yeah, these are absolutely things that that carry with you. And if you're in your 30s trying to to lead a team on a, on a big playoff run in a very tough Western conference, that's a lot of pressure. And so for Dirk, I mean, you see how versatile guards have gotten throughout the years and the evolution of guards and wings, but bigs to kind of be doing what they're doing and, and leading teams in terms of, of on the offense, it's it's not an easy thing to do, especially in your 30s. So for Dirk to kind of be moving out of his physical prime, kind of, that's that's a lot to ask from. And so especially not being in like one of the big market teams with one of the top tier stars. Well, that's debatable. I won't say that. But most people would be like, nah, we're kind of looking at LeBron. We're looking at D Wade. Like we're looking at KD. We're not looking Mm -hmm. at Dirk. And so that was definitely kind of having that underdog mentality was something that Dallas, I think carried with them for a long time. Yeah. So in 08, 09, Carlisle's first year, the Mavs win 50 games. They're six seed. They get past the Spurs in the first round, but they fall to the Nuggets in the second round in five games. And that Nuggets team, that 09 Nuggets team, arguably Melo's best year in Denver was that 09 team. That team was just so well built and their offense, they were one of the best offensive teams that year. And they, the Mavs just didn't have the answer for them. The Mavs defense was 17th in defensive rating that year. And I think that is why you go out in free agency and you go and get Sean Marion the next year. How important is Sean Marion to this team and to, eventually their their championship run we talked about kind of their role players and how how great they were and he was absolutely part of that uh, he was I mean, we will probably touch on Deshaun Stevenson a little bit in the playoff run mm-hmm. but having those two guys to go lock up 
the other team's best defender or the best best player every night was huge. Um, and not only that, but we pulled him away from Phoenix. You talked about um, beating the Spurs, but yeah. then falling to the Nuggets. It felt like the years where we would get past the Spurs, we would run into the Suns. Or we would beat the Suns, but then get stopped by the Spurs or tripped up by the Nuggets. And it was just always something. And so, I mean, the Suns, uh, we we kind of touched on on the, the disappointment of 2007. But to watch Nash after he left us and go on and win two MVPs, um, the pressure was only building. And so when when they kind of fell apart and we we were able to pry away Sean Marion, not only did it help us, but it kind of hurt one of our competitors too. Yeah, because look, at this point, Sean Marion, when he gets to Dallas, is a four-time All-Star. And, you know, when I, as a, as a kid watching this, when I see Sean Marion going to Dallas, I'm like, oh, expletive. Like, <laughs> now Dallas, now Dallas, like, you're starting to see from that 06, 07 team. And you're, you're putting in new pieces now. And adding Sean Marion, that changes things. That's a game changer. Even though he isn't that guy from, you know, making all NBA teams and making all-star games, but that's a real good depth move. And it puts, it takes the pressure off of Dirk a little bit. And it allows the team to kind of operate more as a unit rather than just Dirk carrying the team. Right. Yeah. I mean, Sean Marion was a different kind of player than any guy that we had had in, in recent years. I mean, we had Josh Howard, we had Jerry Stackhouse, and even Eddie Jones, who was a little bit smaller. Uh, but those were all quality guys. But when we got Sean Marion, it was like, this is a little bit, like you said, a game changer. And so mm-hmm. being able to defer to him to a, a little bit and and having him as a defensive piece to kind of, hide Dirk a little bit and, and and allow this defensive flexibility and just an overall improvement was so huge to the success of our team because if you don't if you don't get a guy um if you don't get a guy at that that talent level and that has that defensive ability I mean Dallas well I'm trying not to go talk about 2011 but Dallas Dallas's MO was always kind of I feel like it's always been depth it hasn't been super super top heavy uh, like let's get as many stars as possible. It's you can have you need stars, but if you don't have depth, you're not going to win in Dallas. Like that's just the way it goes. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of been my perception of it. So getting someone like Sean Marion, like you said, in free agency was that was a huge move for Dallas. Yeah, you talk about and it paid benefits. Sorry, no, I was just gonna say you talk about the Mavs go being ahead, go ahead. and guys like. Sean Marion, uh, Tyson Chandler, and Deshaun Stevenson. They ain't soft. Are, are, yeah, they, they immediately changed they that real quick. Yeah. So so that, that was huge. Yeah, and, and those paid dividends immediately. In the, in the first season with Sean Marion in the fold, they win 55 games. They're the number two seed in the West, which is the highest they had been since they were, you know, number one just three years ago. And they run into the Spurs again, and those pesky Spurs. Uh, it's like, you know, Rockets and Mavericks fans disagree on a lot of things, but the one thing they agree on is how much they hate the Spurs. So, <laughs> right. so that's like the one, I guess, common thread that the three of us have. But, you know, the the Spurs, they are able to get revenge after 2010, after 2009, 2009, and they beat the Spurs, or they beat, they beat the Mavs, excuse me, in six games. And after that 2010 loss, guys, 
what do y'all think about this team? You're like, are we cursed? What what happened? Do you what do you remember from that series that that made you feel a certain way about this team? Man, that's a that's a tough question. Yeah. Um, go ahead. You go you go ahead if you remember. I'm gonna be honest. They start to blur together. You have mm-hmm. so many mm-hmm. so many times Losses, where it's just, yeah. it's just again we've fallen short. And so like I, I can't I can't envision 2010 like I can 2006 2007 and then obviously 2011 but but it's it's just another another instance of us falling short yeah going back and looking at the scores the the stat sheets George Hill was a huge huge player in Mm -hmm. that series Richard Jefferson Dewan Blair Matt Bonner to kind of jog your memory uh or both of your memories but um these are guys that they had depth and they also had this three headed monster um, that we just, we couldn't get past. Yeah. And it was, so it was Duncan, just, I, Ginobili, Tony Parker. Yeah. I don't know mm-hmm. if it was just the right mix that year for them to come back and kind of give us that little, that sting. But I just, I think that was when Dallas said, if we don't go get a guy like Tyson Chandler, we are never going to get there. We just, we didn't have like, don't get me wrong. We all love Dirk, but on the defensive end, there's there's some limitations there. So you've got to know what you've got. You can't just say, "Oh, we'll be fine. We'll be fine." We have Dirk, and so they knew what they where they needed to improve and went out and made the move. Yeah. So Tim Duncan's numbers in that series. Let's pull them up. Oh, so no. twenty seven oh, wow. in game one, <laughs> which is a loss. Twenty five and seventeen in game two. Twenty five in game three. Only got four points in game four, but so and then 11 in game five, game six, 17. So those first three games, though, you're at 25 or more for Tim Duncan, who, you know, at this point is not in like the prime of his career either, you know? So yeah, that, that does accentuate the need for a big, and it kind of leads us into this off season here where they make the move for Tyson Chandler. And when you see Tyson Chandler, coming because at this point Tyson Chandler was in New Orleans right mm-hmm. and he was him and Chris Paul because at this point Chris Paul is starting to f- kind of freeze them out he's he's almost in LA I think he's I think it takes place like two years later but mm-hmm. you can you could tell that he's kind of building up this idea that he's not going to resign that he wants out and that the Hornets have played their best basketball right so actually I, I guess he was playing for Charlotte at the time. So they had dealt him to Charlotte the year before and that trade. Um, let me see what that trade was. It was for a Mecca Okafor. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, I guess Tyson Chan. So like he had in, he was injured in new Orleans and then he goes to Charlotte I guess, you know, hey, like change of scenery kind of trade for, mm-hmm. you know, and you're injured, you're injured. Hey, let's let's make something happen. And so then the Mavericks uh, on July 13th of 2010, they trade him to Dallas for Eric Dampier, Eduardo Nahara, Matt Carroll, and a little bit of cash. So at this point, like Tyson Chandler is – He's had good years. Obviously, he was the 
he was a top pick when he came into the league and he's known for being this defensive guy, but he hadn't won all those defensive accolades and whatnot until he got to Dallas. So when you see Tyson Chandler, are you like, okay, this is a slight upgrade. You know, maybe this is, this is our year now. You know, what is your thoughts now that you got Tyson Chandler on board? I think he changed, yeah. yeah, I think he changed the tone. Uh, we talked about Dirk leading, and, and I'm sure if you see Dirk on the court, he's constantly barking at refs, barking at teammates. Uh, but it's the off-the-court stuff that, that Dirk's a little more quiet, a little more reserved. So to have Tyson on guys in practice, um, holding everybody accountable was another thing that, that's obviously not recognized when, when you see him on the court. So I think that helped elevate things off the court and only made guys better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think with Tyson, Dallas, and this was a huge thing for me, Dallas had never, they just never really had bigs like Tyson. They, yeah. in the league, there were there were bigs like, obviously, Shaq, you've got Dwight Howard, like, you've got these super, super athletic guys inside. We just never had that. And so, to introduce Tyson, who, granted, was more of a defensive-oriented guy, obviously, uh, that was huge because we had never had this dominant, big, rim-running, shot-blocker interior presence. And so to be able mm-hmm. to pair that with Dirk was this completely new It was this completely new look. And so we were excited to have that and see what it would look like. And, and even, well, even since we got Tyson and, and with the later eventual exit of Tyson, even to this day in Dallas, we still haven't had that dom- like just dominating – big seven foot and I do not count DeAndre Jordan as that guy like we have not had that and so personally like right now not to try and go off course but I'm kind of waiting for that to come right right back around but back then introducing Tyson was different it was completely different and it was again much much needed changed everything Mm -hmm. and that's a good segue into our next episode when we'll talk more about 2011 and that whole experience for Dallas and the Mavericks. But thank you, Lauren and Grant, for coming on. Stay right there because we're about to record part two. But be sure to follow Basketball on Twitter at Basketball. That's P-A-S-T-K-E-T Ball. You can also follow the Basketball Podcast Network on Twitter and Instagram at HoopsPodNet. Be sure to subscribe to the Basketball Podcast on your podcast app of choice. And be sure to also follow my lovely guests of honor, Lauren and Grant Gunn. Uh, feel free to drop whatever you're working on, your Twitter handles. Uh, floor is yours, y'all. Lauren, go first. All right, sounds good. Yeah, so all of my work, uh, I do write for the Mavs Moneyball, the Mavs SB Nation uh, page, and, and all that work is linked to my Twitter, at Gun with four N's. I also co-host the Blue Hardwood podcast with my co-host, Brian Zillum. And then I'll let Grant explain the gunshot and, and what we do there. Yeah. So you can find me at Twitter. I'm at underscore or I'm at gun underscore Grant. That's gun with two N's. Um, and then you can find us on Twitter. I believe our Twitter is just at the gunshot gun with two N's like our last name. Um, but we usually drop a podcast once a week, just going over all things NBA. Beautiful. I, see, that's such a great name. I love Thank that you. name. Cause Appreciate it. I mean, your family blessed you with the name, so (laughs) it's only fair that you bless the podcast with a good name. But thank you so much for tuning in, and until next time, rewind and be kind.